This is Ham College, episode 25 for January 31st, 2017. This episode of Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. ICOM has an array of radios to help you communicate and listen all year long, no matter where the year may take you. And by hamstudy.org, a great place to study for your next ham exam. Good evening. Welcome to Ham College episode, what is it, 25? Good question. I think it is. Yep. I think it's it episode 25. It right 25. there in black and white. Yeah. I'm Professor Thomas. And I'm Dean Martin. Man, I just... It never gets never old. Gets old. Not from here. It might get old <laughs> from out there. Yeah, on the other side of yeah. the microphone. And I got my I got my uh, John Belushi get Yeah, me two. too. These were fine Canadian imports. Yeah. From my friends Mike and Mike, Mr. and Mrs. Morneau. Yep. Custom made for uh, your Ham College crew. You know, today, Tommy, well, usually when I go to, and you too, when you go to HamFest events, people will come up with you and say hello and then tell you how they enjoy the show. Well, you know, since I'm on Ham Nation too, and they come tell me they enjoy the show, I'm never really sure which one they're talking about unless they mention the show mm-hmm. today at the ham fest here for the first time uh people were saying how they enjoyed ham college yeah yeah they sure you know, did so well it's not the first time well, it's no, the it's first not. time from this ham fest but yeah. we've had a bunch of people at dayton and we we met a few graduates mm-hmm. that were there yeah you know, and I just, I thought really that that's cool. And then I realized that I had this shirt on after a while, yeah. and maybe that helped a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> kind of like playing on a baited field. Yeah, maybe. And it's kind of like when I was at work a couple of weeks ago, and I, I had to wear a hard hat to go out into mm-hmm. the area where all this stuff's going on. And people were saying, hey, Tommy. And I'm like, where, how do they know me? Have I met those guys before? <laughs> and then I got back in, I walked by a mirror, and I saw I had my name on my heart at, and I totally <laughs> forgot about it. Yep. You know how it is. It's, and and I, people, you know, that I didn't think would recognize me were coming up from behind and saying, hello, George. And I, yeah. I never really figured that yeah, out that's either. that's pretty you know? wild, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure what's going on there. Yeah. You just Finally never know. Finally getting your name out there or your call sign. Yeah. Hey, I got to get out there somewhere. I hadn't been on the air enough. Yeah. I need to work on that. I, I, did, I got on HF uh, two nights this week, which is a, a lot according to my recent uh, radio yeah. schedule. I haven't been on HF in probably over a month, unfortunately. I've been observing HF radio silence for... A long time now. I get on every now and then. I do more listening than I do talking, but I need to do some talking. And to help that effort, I almost almost made a purchase at the Ham Fest this weekend. That close. That would have really made me get on HF a lot more. You should have done it. I could do it yet. Yeah. 
it's not necessarily a done deal. I'm looking at uh, that Ameritron ALS 1306 there, big um, 1200 watt. 1200 watt amplifier. Yeah, solid state, auto band switching. Yeah, it's nice. It works. Yeah, man, I, I kind of, you know, You'd wish I would have got it now air. thinking about it. You know, I should have got it, Tommy. Yeah. How'd you let me leave there without it? It, I tried my part to talk you into it. Yeah. Well, you did talk me into a little bit of stuff anyway, but yeah. we didn't we didn't have a real big uh, spending uh, got, this year. Got by pretty cheap. Got by pretty cheap. Got Speaking a few necessary cheap. things. Speaking of cheap, yeah. yeah Emil was there. Uh, uh, the original cheap old man. He, the cheap old man is in the chat room yeah. right now. Yeah, I finally got to shake his hand for yeah. the first time. Yeah, nice to meet him in person. It was good to see him again. You know, yeah. he's. Um, I guess this is. Well, I'd met him in Huntsville, and you would have met him last weekend if you'd gone to Slidell. Yeah, and uh, then we we saw him in Jackson. So he's kind of he's getting around to yeah. some of the hand yeah, he gets around. Yep. So anyway, it's good to meet him. Yeah. So what all did you buy? What all did I buy? I didn't buy much. I bought a. Uh, well, I can't I can't call what I've been saying it was that <laughs> I bought earlier. Yeah, I bought a a, a cheap radio. I, I bought a few uh, connectors. We'll look at uh, we'll look at some of that in a minute here. Yeah, I got a uh, another magnetic mount for my dual band antenna on my mobile. Mm -hmm. Um, man, all that stuff is up there. I, I've got. Uh, Three sets of uh, alligator clip patch cords. I needed some of those. Okay. You know, what did you get? Uh, you remember my, my antenna on my truck mm -hmm. was messed up. I, I got the cable assembly and the mount part to go through my angle bracket to fix that. Uh, got some chassis mount connectors I want to do a project with and mm -hmm. uh, pair of wire cutters. Yeah, I got the I got the wire cutter yeah. too. That's that's mostly it, and that one of those cheap radios to yeah. experiment with. That was a good set of wire cutters there for five bucks at some of the yeah the small ones that it's not good. I mean, you wouldn't want to cut Romax with them, but no, but they're great for to small nip off stuff, stuff off yeah. the PC board. That's what I'm probably going to use. Really them sharp, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, I had a set just like that I'd bought for work, and. I saw these five bucks. I said, "Hey, you know, yeah, yeah, it was gotta good have fun. those." But there was a lot of good stuff there, you know. Um, I just didn't buy a lot of it. Yeah, I bought I some uh, to, insulators also. Uh, you know, my HF antenna came mm -hmm. down. I hung up that forty, yeah, forty through whatever OCF, and it's working good. But I'm kind of missing having my seventy-five yeah band on there. So yeah. I'm I'm starting to gather things up to build me another one. Cool. Yeah, you need to build another one because. Mm -hmm. All the cool guys are on 75 meters yeah, now. Are they? Now, now that you left. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got a, uh, a fun show lined up tonight. You know, anytime we're shooting Ham College or Amateur Logic or any of the shows, we've got a chat room going on during the time that we're shooting live. Where can you join that chat room, Tommy? You can join it at amateurlogic.tv forward slash chat. And. There's a good group of folks in there right now while I uh, skillfully... You mean they're not always a good group in there? Um, 
No, some of the time there's there's a few troublemakers in there, but tonight <laughs> tonight it's all a good group of guys in there and, and gals. So uh, good to have them all there. So uh, go to amateurlogic.tv slash chat and, uh, and join in the fun. Yeah, and I don't have to give my spiel about the YouTube chat anymore because it doesn't exist. That's true. Yeah. Turned it off. Yeah. If you're watching us live, you're watching us on YouTube. If you want to chat, come to this address. Yep. Okay. Uh, what did we talk about last month, Tommy? Do you even remember? Yeah, I remember we talked about uh, wavelengths and uh, we did SWR and some practical applications, mm -hmm. how to tune your an antenna, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. So we talked about antennas. We did. Okay. And frequencies, wavelengths. And, yep, yeah, and frequencies and wavelengths, both. Yep. Which are the... In relation to antennas. Yep. And tonight... Or aerials, if you're over in the UK. Is that what they call them? You, mm -hmm. While you were over there. Yeah. Did, did, I learned all that. You haven't been on a show since you've come back, have you? Yeah, you have. Yeah. Okay. Did one uh, while I was still jet-lagged, actually. Yeah. Aerials. You know, we got a friend that's not from the UK that calls them that. Yeah, pretty much everybody but us call yeah. them that, I think. I think if it's on your car, it's, you know, and it's a standard broadcast band, it's an aerial. Yeah. yeah. Do you put it on your boot? No, you don't put it on a boot. It's up on a cowl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get right on into tonight's questions. Why don't you read the first one here, Tommy? I know I will, folks if I are... I can see it chomping at the bit and well here we go all right which of these items would be useful for a hidden transmitter hunt a calibrated swr meter b a directional antenna c a calibrated nose noise bridge nose, <laughs> bridge. nose or a nose bridge it could be handy if you really need it or d all of these choices are correct well, I'm going to guess it's not a nose bridge. Well, I guess you could be like, will be that yeah. way. So, I, let's see. I, I've got to figure this one out, haven't I? Well, let me do some thinking about it. Uh, all of these choices are correct. No, it's, I don't think it's all of them. A calibrated noise bridge, um, that's something you'd use to uh, maybe check out your antenna with, but not something you'd use to find a hidden transmitter. Uh, calibrated SWR meter. Well, that's something you check out your antenna with, too, but mm -hmm. I've never seen anybody look for a transmitter with an SWR meter. So no. I want to say it's B, a directional antenna, and that's that's what they're all saying over there in the chat room. So, uh, it's got to be think? right, then. Yep, got to be right? I would concur with that. Okay. It's the only one that really makes any sense. Yep, there you go. B, a directional antenna. No buzzer for that one. No. Well, let's move on to the next one. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll ask you this one. Okay, ask me. What antenna polarization is normally used for long-distance, weak signal CW and single sideband context using VHF and UHF bands? A, right-hand circular. B, left-hand circular. C, horizontal. D, vertical. Well, it's not going to be A or B because you typically don't use circular polarization for ham stuff. I've, I've never seen anybody well, use it. Well, you might for TV. For satellite, you might. Satellite? Might. Okay. 
But and uh, you might. I don't know that you would. But I, okay. Then we got C would be horizontal, which would be flat. Or so if I had my radio, then I would turn it this that's way. Horizontal. Horizontal. Or vertical. D. And I'm I'm saying that C only because I I've only because uh, you know it. Because I know it, because I I bought a radio with sideband two meters on it mm -hmm. to play with it, and I never put up a horizontal antenna, and I never heard a soul. <laughs> That's a there's your clue. There you, there's yeah. the clue. So all right, well they're saying it's C horizontal over in the chat room. Although we did have a B in there, um, I'm gonna go with you, Tommy. I'm gonna say it's horizontal. Okay. And uh, well, let's see. <laughs> it is uh, C horizontal. And let's do a little explaining <laughs> on that. You got some you know, explaining to do. Yeah, if we've got uh, two radios here. And we do. And if we were going to talk uh -huh. with each other, it, those two are going to work better if, our, if we're vertical, if both of us are, have got our antennas vertically polarized. Yeah. If, um, well, if, if I turn mine. The, what if I'm laying on the couch? Yeah, it might not work quite as good. So you mean I'm going to have to sit up? You're going to have to sit up. Okay. All right, so for for almost all VHF and UHF communications, our antennas are you know always vertical uh, for practically everything, except if it's going to be weak signal stuff or single sideband or CW, they run them horizontal, and I got to thinking about that and why do you think they run them horizontal for that, Tommy? What, do you think there's a benefit for single sideband running it horizontal? Well, I think you would get pro better propagation with it. Then why don't we run everything horizontal? Because vertical is probably better for closer communication. It's a good question, isn't it? It is. What's the answer? What's the answer? Well, I, I did no research. Actually, but I... I um, I looked in Gordo's book. You remember Gordo. I remember Gordo. You remember Gordo's book. The book of Gordo. Yeah, and while I was thinking about that, I said, I'll look in Gordo's technician study class book here, and he'll have the answer right below that question, because he does on, on uh, yeah. you know, all these questions. He's got something to say about them. Uh -huh. He didn't have much to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought, like, just like me, yeah. just because. So I thought about it a little more, and then I said, "Aha!" I you know actually why. said, "Aha!" No, I didn't, but I imagine I said it. If if we're going to try to be working weak signal, and everybody with their strong signals got their antennas turned this way. Uh, what if we turned ours this way? So you can kind of attenuate the other guys. Yeah, and then we're listening for people who are horizontal. We don't. We won't hear all those vertical signals. That, that makes a certain amount of sense. And it could be right. You know, we haven't be. seen any documented evidence. It's probably fairly evidence. close to right. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's that. That's a good possibility. That's the reason why. Yeah, we can claim that. <laughs> but the thing is. You want your antenna polarization to be the same as the people you're, you're trying to talk to. With. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, there you go. Well, you got that one right, Tommy. 
Why don't you hit me with your best shot? See if okay. you can trip me up here. What can happen if the antennas at opposite ends of the VHF or UHF line of sight radio link are not using the same polarization? Hmm. Well, we just went through that. A, the modulation sidebands might become inverted. B, signals could be significantly weaker. C, signals have an echo effect on voices. D, nothing significant will happen. Hmm. Okay, what can happen if antennas at the opposite end of VHF UHF line? A sight link, not the same polarization. Well, I think we just said you, you need your antennas the same polarization as who you're trying to talk yeah, with. Yeah, and the reasoning you just gave actually matches one of these answers right here. It could be signals could be significantly weaker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm going to say it's B. And so you're going with that since you already said it about five minutes ago. Yep, and everybody's saying that over in the, the chat room there. So B, the signals could be significantly weaker. No buzzer for you. Now, I think if we turn on these two radios right here and tried it, we would find that there wasn't really any difference because well, we're so here. close, you know. That, but uh, it but does it, make a difference. But if I went all the way down to the end of the road down there, we were on fairly low power, you might see it. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, we're talking about VHF and UHF with these questions. So HF's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Okay, Tommy, well, I've got another question for you. Okay, then. What is meant by the gain of an antenna? A, the additional power that is added to the transmitter power. Or B, the additional power that is lost in the antenna when transmitted on a higher frequency. C, the increase in signal strength in a specific direction when compared to a reference antenna. Or D, the increase in impedance on receive or transmit compared to a reference antenna. Hmm. Okay, so... We're not adding power, although it's sort of effectively like that. B, the additional power that's lost when the antenna is transmitted on a higher frequency. I don't think, that's not related to frequency. Well, in this instance, I'm saying it's not related to frequency. Increasing signal strength on a specified direction when the when compared to a reference antenna. I think that's going to be your answer, but let's go to D2. Increase impedance. I'm going with C. Increase in signal strength in a specified direction when compared to a reference antenna. Well, that, everybody's agreeing with you on that one. And there you go. Antenna gain is, is a big thing. That's, you know, that can give you as much benefit as, as more power. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's effectively... Yeah, like that. That's why I was saying uh, that first question is a little bit, a little bit tricky if you try to overthink it. It's additional power that is added to the transmitter power, and that that is that is a little tricky there. Yeah, and let me give you. But it's effectively more power, but it's not it, literally it is. more power. Yeah, aha. There's the answer right there. Effectively more power. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to mention, you know, I, um, I'm a broadcast engineer. Our FM stations are all rated for effective radiated power. Mm -hmm. uh, two of them that I've got here are uh, licensed for 100 kilowatts 
Effective Radiated Power, ERP. I don't know of any 100,000 watt FM station that's using a 100,000 watt transmitter. Mm. In the case of mine, one of them is using a 30kW transmitter. The other one is uh, just using 25 kilowatts. Yet, they're putting out 100kW effective radiated power. Mm -hmm. And that's because of the gain of the antenna. Yeah, It's taking that unused signal that would be going like straight up and not doing you any good and it's turning it down more toward the horizon where it's putting a more powerful signal. Yeah. So is that what the FCC regulates you? The broadcast stations yeah. are the effective. On but FM. The, but yeah. the FCC doesn't regulate us like that. No. They, so you can still run 1,500 watts, and if you had an antenna with gain, yeah, you, you're that's running, still fine. Yeah. As long as the output out of the back of the transmitter is within the legal limits, right? you're okay, mm -hmm. regardless of the antenna. Yeah, I think you're pretty much yeah, right on that. That's what I understand, too. Yep. All right. We're going with that. We'll go with that. Okay. Let's move on to the next one here. What is the reason to use a properly mounted 5.8 wavelength antenna for VHF or UHF mobile service? A, it offers a lower angle of radiation and more gain than a quarter wavelength antenna and usually provides improved coverage. B, it features a very high angle of radiation and is better for communicating via a repeater. C, the 5.8 wavelength antenna completely eliminates distortion caused by reflected signals. Or D, the 5.8 wavelength antenna offers a 10 times power gain over a quarter wavelength design. Well, this one is mine to answer, and let's just go through them here. We'll, we'll start at the top. It offers a lower angle of radiation and more gain than a quarter wavelength antenna and usually provides improved coverage. That's your answer right there. That's the one that makes sense to me. That's a, a, a 5.8 wavelength antenna. Has a, has more gain than a quarter wavelength. Mm -hmm. And thereby, it's doing like we said a moment ago, instead of you know wasting power going in directions that nobody's going to be listening, it, it you know turns the elevation down or the, the angle of the radiation down more to, mm -hmm. you know, populated area. So uh, that's, you, that's I was going to say, that's one you can go outside when the space station's passing uh -huh. and you can actually hear it on this better mm -hmm. than I could go in and, and tune it up on my rig in the house with the 17 foot comet antenna I've got up fairly high and I can't hear it, but I can hear it on this. Yeah, because of the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. B. It features a very high angle of radiation <laughs> and is better for communicating via repeater. Very high angle of radiation. Well, the repeater's not straight above me either. It's it's more in that direction. So no, that's that's not true. Uh, C. The five wavelength. A 5H wavelength antenna completely eliminates distortion caused by reflected signals. No. No, that's that's just a bald-faced lie there. <laughs> so D, the 5H wavelength antenna offers a 10 times power gain over a quarter wavelength design. Mm, you know, I don't recall right off 
uh, how much gain you got with the five eighths over a quarter wave. I but I don't it, think I don't it was think 10, it's times. ten times. No, I don't believe it was that much. So uh, let's see if I got it right here. I said it was what a. Yes. That's what everybody else was saying, and we were all right. All right. All right. Got one more antenna question tonight, and That's then it? We'll, then we'll be through with the all the antenna questions for the technician exam. Oh man. Yeah, that was kind of hate to see them go. Yeah, those are that. Those are interesting. Yeah, yeah, they are. That's okay though, because we're moving to coax next. Oh well, that's the other end of the antenna, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Well, since you like them so much, I'm going to ask <coughs> you this one. Okay. Why are VHF or UHF mobile antennas often mounted in the center of a vehicle roof? A roof mounts have the lowest possible SWR. Of any mounting configuration? B. Only roof mounting can guarantee a vertically polarized signal. C. A roof mount antenna normally provides the most uniform radiation pattern. Or D. Roof mount antennas are always the easiest to install. D is probably close to a correct answer, but I don't think that's what we're looking for here. It's pretty easy to throw a mag mount up there and run the coax in the window. No, that is, that is pretty easy, but yeah, yeah I'm saying that's not but it But that's either. not what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. So let's go. Hey, roof mounts have the lowest possible SWR. That that's, doesn't really matter. No. Uh, B, only roof mounting can guarantee a vertically polarized signal. That's not true. Any place you mount it where the antenna is vertical, it's going to be vertically polarized. So that, that's incorrect. So it's got to be C, right? Roof mount antenna normally provides the most uniform radiation pattern. And that makes sense because you've got fairly equal amounts of metal around mm -hmm. the, the circumference of the, around the outside of the antenna. I'll agree with you. Well, that's probably not worded properly, but you know what I'm saying. I got the gist of it. Okay. Everyone else in the chat room did too. It is C. A roof mount antenna normally provides the most uniform radiation and, pattern. And it should have been an E. It's like your buddy gives you a hard time if you put a glass mount antenna on, so putting a mag mount on the roof is probably better. Your buddy can't hear you. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, being one of those buddies I know yeah. back when you had one of the glass mount antennas. Yeah. It will work under some circumstances, but it won't work nearly as good. Yeah, it, it works pretty good when you have a new vehicle and you don't want to drill a hole. Yeah, don't, don't go telling these folks that man somebody might actually do it but somebody might believe you well it does work as long as you don't want to talk very far yeah yeah uh, you know and as long as you're not on the other end of the conversation trying to hear it oh well that's yeah that's uh, that doesn't matter what did to me made a big difference to me all right we're going to be back in just a moment and we're going to move on into uh, coax and connectors but first, we got a message from ICOM and uh, maybe a couple of Easter eggs thrown in here as well. Duck. In January. 2017 is here. Let ICOM keep the New Year momentum rolling with an array of radios to help you communicate and listen all year long, no matter where the year may take you. Base stations, mobile transceivers, handhelds, and more, ICOM has all the equipment to make 2017 the best year yet. Communicate with the touch of your fingertips 
Perfect for small spaces, the IC7100 is the ideal D-Star option to help you communicate anywhere throughout the year. Angled control head and touchscreen for quick, intuitive operation. Large internal speaker for clear digital audio, and it's perfect for multiband and all-mode communications. Planning to be on the move this year? Back for a limited time, the IC7200 is a great option for hams wanting a rugged device to carry out into the field. Simple and tough with IFDSP, digital noise reduction, and USB port for PC control. Ideal for the ham on the go, the IC7300 is the new radio everyone's talking about. It's a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, SD memory card, and more. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. The Gemini Space Flights. The trips are long. The training is hard, like this spacewalk practice. But the astronauts do some things you do. In space, they drank tang. They mixed it like this in a zero-g pouch, because with no gravity, it would fly all over. You don't have that problem. You can mix it in a glass. Up there, they have to drink it carefully, this way. You can drink it any way you like. Tang tastes orangey. Tastes great. Has lots of vitamins C and A. Tang, chosen for the Gemini astronauts. Have a blast. Have some Tang. This man just showered with a new kind of soap. New Life Boy Mint Refresher. A soap so loaded with mint, so tangy, so frosty, it drives wives wicked. Every bar of new Life Boy Mint Refresher contains the essence of 125 mint leaves. Soap has never smelled this good before, and neither have you. New Life Boy Mint Refresher drives wives wicked. This is the coffee pot at work. Listen to it perk. Look at the coffee as it gets darker and stronger. Smell the honest coffee smell. Ah, smell it. But will this cup of coffee taste as good as it smells? You bet it will because it's Maxwell House. The coffee that tastes as good as it smells every time. Maxwell House coffee tastes as good as it smells every time. If you like to look at good coffee, listen to good coffee, smell good coffee, and taste good coffee, brew Maxwell House, the coffee that tastes as good as it smells every time. Maxwell House is good to the last drop. It tastes as good as it smells every time. Maxwell House. Let Hertz put you in the driver's seat. Let Hertz take you anywhere at all. This 
vacation, really let yourself go. Go Hertz Class. With a new Chevrolet or other fine car, you'll see things you've never seen before. Do things you've never done before. Hertz lets you change the pace completely. Go where you want, when you want. If you wish, take up to 20 months to pay with the new Hertz revolving credit plan. So why hold yourself back? You get a rest while Hertz does the rest. Well, it's always fun to look at those old commercials. Oh, yeah, isn't it? especially. I didn't remember that was James Clerk Maxwell House Coffee. Yeah, I, it's been a while since I've had that brand. Me too, <laughs> but I can remember it now. When I was a kid, when when my mama would uh, fire up that coffee pot, you'd hear that sound all the way across the mm -hmm. house. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. And what about that tang, man, you know, with the extra vitamins? With the Vegemite? Yeah. The Vegemite-flavored tang? Yeah. That's good stuff. If you're Australian. <laughs> if you're Australian. By the way, uh, I saw some postings in one of our social media groups. It looks like the Australians have purchased Vegemite back from Kraft. Oh, good. They got it all back down there where it belongs. I think, I hope so. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we don't want that stuff getting out. Yeah. Well, let's get into some more questions here. And like we said a moment ago, we're going to move into coax cable now. Okay. So uh, first, why don't we give away something here? We, Is we that how this appeared there. here? That's it's, how that mysteriously appeared. Right after yeah. the commercial went away, I looked down and there was a shirt and a hat here. I guess we should give it away. I guess we should. And This is a nice Icom ball cap and a nice Icom ham crew t-shirt. Yep. And I guess I need to draw a nice uh, name here for a winner. Yep. Gideon Scott. He says, happy holidays and thank you. Well, happy holidays, Gideon. And, and why would he be saying that in January? Well, because the last show was during the holidays. Yeah. That's when we gave it away. He said, hi, guys, and thank you for the shows. I quite enjoy a bit, and I'm I taking my... I enjoy quite a bit. <laughs> that sounds better. I enjoy quite a bit, and I'm taking my exams in a couple of weeks. The next exam date near me. So congratulations, you, Gideon. You're the winner. You are. So how can anybody else enter for next month? If you'd like to enter for next month, just send us an email. Uh, ham college at amateurlogic.tv that's the one so send us an email with your name and, and just and, and a message and yeah and yeah. your name mm -hmm. your name and your name that's all we really need don't need a call sign yeah no, nothing since, since this is a technician show and some of you probably don't have them yeah that that works out really yeah. good so it came in kind of handy like that all right well next question here tommy i think who asked the last one here? Did I? Um, uh, I think I did. You think you I, did? Yeah, I did. All right, well, then I'll ask you this one. Which of the following is the common use of coaxial cable? Before we do that, why don't we show what coaxial cable is? I, I think okay. we've done that before. Is this before. somewhere here? No, that's not the kind well, I was thinking about. It is some, but here's what I was thinking about right well, it's here. It's really not the kind. 
you yeah, want to be encouraging people to use. It's got a shield around the outside of it and center conductor, a dielectric in the center there, and a jacket around it. It's coaxial because, you know, there's one inside the other there. This is the, as a technician, this is a type of cable that you're going to be using most often. There are other types of antenna cables. There's a, well, twin lead or a ladder line, but almost all VHF and UHF, you're going to use coaxial cable for it, or Heliax, which is another form of coaxial cable. This right here is RG213. Uh, there's a smaller version, RG8X. Yeah, RG58. Yeah, a lot, a lot of different coaxial cables, but when we say coaxial cable, this is what we're talking about. Okay, and now back to our question. Which of the following is a common use of coaxial cables? A, carrying DC power from a vehicle battery to a mobile radio. I've seen that done. I've seen it done, too. I've seen it done on your vehicle. Did I do that? Long I time could ago. have. Yeah, I could have. Uh, carrying RF signals between the radio and antenna. That's B, obviously. Okay. Uh, C, securing mast, tubing, and other cylindrical objects on towers. Or D, connecting data signals from a TNC to a computer. Well, it's not going to be C or D data signals. And it's not going to be... C, securing masts, tubing, and other cylindrical objects, because it's not to tie down yeah. things. Although, now, and, and here's the, the thing on the question there. That key word in there is common use of coaxial cable. Mm -hmm. you, you could very likely have some type of coaxial cable uh, to connect between a TNC and a computer in a shielded audio pair that runs through there. That is another type of coaxial cable. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess that's true. But that's not, you know, that uh, they're, that's not what they want or looking for. That's a for. different show. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the first one we said, A, carrying DC power from a vehicle battery to a mobile antenna. That's not a common But it, it is. It could, it could people be, it do could use it. And there's yeah. a reason that you might would do that. Right. But the answer is going to be B, carrying RF signals between a radio and antenna. That's, that's the intent. That's the that most common. That was the intent for use. this stuff when it was developed, I think. Yep. For this particular anyway. Yeah. What's on the other end of that? Okay. One of these, uh, if I don't yep. poke my eye out with the yep. other end. There you go. And see, that wouldn't really fit my car battery very well. No. Or my TNC. That's true. You still got a TNC? No. Email T bought them all only up. TNC, you got the TNCX, and it's at my house. Yep. See there? And that won't fit it either. Yep. Okay. That's bigger than the whole TNCX. So you're saying B. I'm saying B. Bravo. There you go. You got it right. Uh, the people in the chat room who guessed at it got it right as well. I don't think they guessed. I think they knew the answer to it. I expect they did because some of those guys, I know they've had their license for a while. They probably used a little bit of coaxial yeah. cable. All those guys with call signs in there, I would think you're, you're yeah. probably right. That's disqualified. <laughs> All right, you got a question for me? Um, although, Emil, I saw Emil carrying a technician class book around today. 
Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, it was this one right here. That well, the, the copy one. Well, just like yeah, it that. wasn't this one. This one was mine. And you I'm, got a technician class it. book too. That's probably why he got it. He'd seen me with it. Yeah, you do too. Yeah. Okay. What is the impedance of the most commonly used coaxial cable in typical amateur radio installations? A, 8 ohms. B, 50 ohms. C, 600 ohms. Or D, 12 ohms. All right, uh, what is the impedance of the most commonly used coaxial cable in typical amateur radio installations? 8 ohms. I've never heard of 8 ohm coax. Not to say that you couldn't make it. Never heard of it. Uh, I've never heard of 8 ohm antennas. Speakers are 8 ohms. Speakers. But it wouldn't be common that you would use coaxial cable to connect speaker. You could. Uh, down on answer D, 12 ohms. I don't know where they got that from, but it, it's not 12 ohms. Uh, C, 600 ohms. There are types of coaxial cable for 600 ohm uh, audio, balanced audio lines. Mm. Uh, but no, that's, that's not, that would be not very common at all. That stuff you got right there, though, that's 50 ohm coax, Tommy. Yeah, I was looking to see if it said it on the jacket, but it doesn't. Yeah. So I'm going to say it's B, 50 ohms. Everyone else is saying that. There you go. 50 ohms. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Maybe you were the Elvis. We'll never know. never know. Why is coaxial cable used more often than... Any other feed line for amateur radio antenna systems? A, it's easy to use and requires few special installation considerations. B, it has less loss than any other type of feed line. C, it can handle more power than any other type of feed line. Or D, it's less expensive than any other type of feed line. And you know, I don't remember really looking at this one when I were typing these questions in here. So well, let's it's see not it's less expensive than light. No, I would say it's not. Mm -hmm. uh, see, it can handle more power than any other type of feed line. I don't think that's true either. No. And it has less loss because that one I'm not totally sure about. I, I kind of doubt that's the case, but I don't know an example. And you might be able to elaborate on that later. But I, I think it's because it's, hey, it's easy to use and it requires few special installation considerations. You don't really have to do anything but hook the stuff up to the connectors and it's good to go. It's real easy to do. That's, that's pretty much it. You got it. Hey, everyone else said A. Oh, yeah, everyone else did say so A. So what has less loss? <laughs> uh, ladder line. You know, ladder line is just like two parallel Lines sort of like the old mm -hmm. uh, twin lead for your uh, mm -hmm. television, 300 ohms. They got, I think, 600 ohms, 400 ohm ladder line. Uh, you know, it's a little higher impedance. But that is lower loss than coax. Oh, yeah? Yep. But it requires um, well, some part In some, some instances, it's actually part of the antenna, too, isn't it? Uh, yeah, some antennas are made up with that as, as uh, part of it. 
um, but it takes some special installation considerations. Mm -hmm. And that is, you can't take that ladder line because it's not coaxial, there's no shield around it. Mm -hmm. You can't take that and tape it to the leg of your tower. Yeah, you can't run it through your window like that way and just slap yeah, that's not you know, because uh the the radiation, you know, it, it's not like uh, encapsulated inside. Yeah. Like it is that's on the some, That's some interesting cable. stuff. I haven't done anything with the ladder line before, but I really ought to play around with that stuff yeah. sometime. I know Jimmy's a big fan of it. He is, and that's because it's lower loss. Mm -hmm. That's I'm I'm not a big fan of it, but uh, I'm just just because I'm not. But there are people who who swear by it. Yeah. You know? What generally happens as the frequency of a signal passing through coaxial cable is increased? A. The apparent SWR increases. B. The reflected power increases. C. The characteristic impedance increases. Or D, the loss increases. Well, I'm going to have to read that one again because I wasn't paying any attention. What generally happens as a frequency of a signal passing through coaxial cable is increased. Increasing the frequency. Mm -hmm. uh, you, know, you know what that one is. Yeah, I'm it's sure. not apparent SWR increases. No. Probably, probably would not. Uh, B, the reflected power increases. No, that'd be the same as the SWR increases. See, uh, the characteristic impedance increases. No, it doesn't. Um, that, you know, would be, well, give the same result as A and B there. It's D, the loss increases. As you go up in frequency, um, your cable is going to become more lossy, our mm -hmm. coaxial cable is. So I'm going to say... It's going to be D. Everyone else guessed D. That's what I think. And, you know, that's why when you're looking at the coaxial cable, um, it, it's got a lot to do with frequency. Like like this right here, this uh, RG213 cable, basically the same size as RG8. Mm -hmm. This is good for HF. Mm -hmm. I mean... If you look at a chart, in, in all coaxes, there's a chart that gives you the loss per, say, uh, 100 feet or a certain number of meters or whatever. And you'll notice that that value increases, the loss increases, or attenuation is probably what they call it, as you go up in frequency. This stuff here is good for HF. You could put, you know, big, fat heliox on your HF antenna, but you're really not gaining anything because it's... Really, the, the loss on this, yeah, the loss on this is plenty low enough for mm -hmm. most HF installations, and power handling's enough for. Yeah, that's not bad use. VHF cable either. It's not super long. Right as long as it's not super long. Now you get to UHF frequencies, this is not going to work as well. But mm -hmm. you can still use it mm -hmm. uh, if you're getting to really long pieces of cable, uh, and your 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 frequencies up there, VHF, UHF. You're better off using uh, something like Heliax or Hams call it hardline. Mm -hmm. And in broadcasting, we don't yeah, call that hardline. Really hard but but uh, Hams will call it hardline. Uh, there's also another type called uh, LMR400, which is very similar to this, except there's also a foil shield in there. And the, um, the dielectric's a little different. Yeah, and as it takes well. a special tool to put the connectors on. 
Well, unless you know somebody. Well, that's what they <laughs> that's what they intend. That's what they intend. Okay. So uh, there you go. Go up in frequency. The loss on your uh, cable is going to increase. So I use uh, Heliax on mine, and uh, then I just have a short piece coming in the window. I, I do too on my my dual band mm -hmm. VHF UHF antenna. Okay, well, I got one for you, Tommy. Which of the following connectors is most suitable for frequencies above 400 megahertz? A, a UHF PL259 SO239 connector. B, a Type-N connector. C, an RS213 connector. Or D, a DB25 connector. You know, I meant to have a DB25 connector out here to show. And I, I'd like to see it hooked up to the end of that piece of coax cable right there. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah, it would. Okay, so it, I'm saying it's not a DB25 connector because that's an old-school serial port cable for the back of your computer. Uh, well, parallel. Well, yes, yeah, serial or parallel uh, printer would use that. Yep. So that's, that's not going to be it. That's going to be the old kind with the with the hood on it that's flat and you plug it into the back of your computer with a bunch of pins on it. Yeah, I don't have one. Here. I don't know what an RS-213 connector is, but I'm thinking that's not it. Mm -hmm. um, the, the question is, which of the following connectors is most useful, for, useful, suitable for frequencies above 400 megahertz? Well, 400 megahertz is UHF, right? That's right. So you would think it would be a UHF or PL-259 connector. Uh, like but, like this right here. Yeah, but I know I know that's not the right answer just or from an, experience. And SO two thirty nine, which is the female counterpart of that. Yeah, but it's that's not going to be the answer. The the actually the better connector of them is the type N connector. Well less loss for that. You're saying this one right here. That one. Even though this one is called a UHF connector. The yep. silver one here. But it's not best for UHF frequencies. It's not. Um, all right, so what you're saying what? I'm saying the answer is B, Bravo, a type-in connector. All right, that's what everyone else is saying. And, and they're right. Uh, a type-in connector, that's uh, or a, well, let's look at a couple of others here. Type-in connector is, is best for UHF. Um, a UHF connector or PL259. Go figure. RHF. Yeah. When, when this connector came out, this um, PL259, well, I believe was a military spec number. When that came out, what was considered UHF frequencies was much lower than it is today. Where did UHF frequency start, Tommy? Um, around 300. Four, three, oh, that's right, 300. We actually went went over that not too yeah. long ago. All, all of them are, are at threes. Yeah. Yeah. So UHF starts at 300 megahertz. When, when they initially came out with this connector and they named it a UHF connector, what they considered UHF was, I don't remember the exact frequencies, but it was lower. Mm-hmm. And so that's why that, that is called a UHF connector. I've never really called them that. I've always called them PL259s. This well, is they a make type. good jewelry. Uh, yeah, well, although we have never seen any yet. Yeah, one day. Yeah. 
this is a type N connector. Uh, you know, you can almost tell that there's going to be some difference between those two. This one, although that pin in the middle is smaller there, you can see you, the, sh the shield is going to be connected to that ring right around the inside there. It's just uh, a better built connector. It's going to have less loss in it. There's another connector that looks a lot like this type in, and that's the BNC connector. Look at there. That's got a pin up inside of it, too. Mm -hmm. uh, more or less the same design. It's just a little different on the outside. These work okay for UHF, too. Won't handle quite as much power, but still, they, they would work okay for UHF. Well, they work okay, except the co show the other end of it, where the coax cable is. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so that's pretty small. You're only going to get uh, RG58 or... On this one, they, they make them big enough. Even though the connector's good for UHF, the coax that fits, it's not. They, they do Unless make them. have a super short run. Yeah, that, that will uh, work on RG8 cable, or that size of cable. But uh, this one is a screw-on right here. It's not my favorite type of BNC. It's just what I had handy. But you notice the, the inside of it there looks very similar. Yeah. This right here is a uh, BNC female connector. You know, that's, that's what that BNC connector would fit into. Mm-hmm. That'll fit in that type N connector. Huh. In an emergency, you could plug a male type N into a female BNC. As a matter of fact, I just did that at an FM transmitter site uh, within the last couple of weeks. I had an exciter that uh, one of them was, the, the one that was in the transmitter had the BNC connectors on it. And that exciter had failed, and I had to uh, put in one temporarily that had Type-N connectors on it. And I didn't have a cable or an adapter to do that with. Hmm. All I, I had a Type-N cable, so I just took that and plugged it on there. Worked just as well. Huh. You wouldn't want to do that long term, and you got to be careful because that pin is a little bigger inside the Type-N, mm -hmm. and it, it could spread out you know the inside of the uh, uh, female BNC there but yeah and the emergency. BNCs are pretty cheap yeah the ends are not so much yeah I mean they're not terribly expensive but they're, they're costing a, a bit they're, more they're a little more them. money yeah they're a little more trouble to put on too yeah uh, just a couple other connectors I had here I wanted to look at as long as we were looking at connectors tonight this one right here this end is what do you call that Tommy uh, SMA SMA. You'll see this on a lot of handy talkies today, like uh, like right here. That's that's what this ID51 has on it, an SMA on the top of it. Um, you know, if if you wanted to hook an old school antenna to it, those were all pretty much BNC connectors that came with the older handy talkies. Yeah. Well, you can get adapters that'll allow you to do that. Yeah, I got one. Also, you can get, uh, you know, well, here's an adapter cable here. One end has SMA connector mail on it. Uh, the other end has a uh, SO239 that would fit that uh, PL259 connector, so you could, you know, adapt it with that. Yeah. But 
you want to look carefully when you when you're shopping for handy talkies most of them are using sma today some of them have female and some of them have males yeah most of the most of the good name brand have have the uh the female but most yep. of those cheaper chinese ones have them have a male they're just opposite yep that actually makes it kind of difficult to find antennas for well them it does it does so uh but these are handy i've got some of these i use when uh like if i use the handy talkie in the wife's car with a mag mm -hmm. mount this keeps the pressure off the top of my radio so i don't worry about messing yeah. up my antenna connector and stuff yeah which of the following is true of PL259 type coax connectors? A, they're preferred for microwave operation. D, they are watertight. C, they're commonly used at HF frequencies. D, they are a bayonet type connector. Well, I think we already answered this. Well, we, we almost have. Which of the following is true of PL259 connector? Well, what's a bayonet connector? That's going to be one uh, more like, uh, well, this BNC right here, where you push it over and you and you twist it. That's a, a bayonet-style connector. Like a twist and lock type thing? Yep. So it, it's not that. This is a PL259 right here. They're commonly used at HF frequencies. Yeah, I would say that's true. They are watertight. Definitely not. That that's not a watertight connector. As a matter of fact, if you unscrew the jacket off there, yeah, it's you'll see but watertight. Yeah, all those little holes that are in there. Now they're supposed to be soldered, but uh, you know, mm -hmm. still that that is not a watertight connector. Water is a common problem with those things too. Yep. Uh, what is a watertight connector? would be this type in right here but i would not trust it to be watertight i would still you know seal this up real good with uh, uh, coaxial or you know i like to use rubber splicing tape or something mm -hmm. i just don't trust connectors even if they're called watertight outdoors i, I right. still you know want to put something over them to protect them so uh they're not watertight a, they're preferred for microwave systems. Well, we just talked about it. A PL259, uh, called a UHF connector, is not even good for UHF. It definitely wouldn't be good for microwave. I guess, I guess theoretically, it's good for up to 400 megahertz, based off of the question that we Yeah, well, you'll see some radios that actually will have PL259s for um, and some duplexers and all to be used for UHF. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of loss in this connector on UHF frequencies. That's the reason we shy away from it. You, you'll see others that have a type in, you know, for mm -hmm. the UHF side of the radio. But, uh, you know, you could, you could see them used for UHF, but it's, um, it's not the best. Definitely not for microwave. Definitely not watertight. Definitely not a bayonet type connector since, you know, you got to, Screw it on. Pretty so, much narrows it um, down for you. Commonly used for HF frequencies. Mm -hmm. So uh, there you go. Nailed it. Yep. Everyone got that one right. I'm thinking that buzzer may not get an exercise in the night either. It's not looking good for the buzzer, is it's it? not. Are you new to the ham world or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level? Study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. 
hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stuffelbeam, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org powered by ICOM for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. I don't even know where we put the buzzer. It's been so long since we used it. And, you know, I would like to hear it again. Uh, emails them, really been rooting for A lot of people in there just root for the buzzer. They're just... They don't believe we got it anymore. Why don't you miss this one? Okay. All right. What on is, purpose? Well, or on accident. What is the disadvantage of air core coaxial cable when compared to foam or solid dielectric types? A, it has more loss per foot. B, it cannot be used for VHF or UHF antennas. C, it requires special techniques to prevent water absorption. Or D, it cannot be used at below freezing temperatures. This one, this one, I'm not really, honestly, I'm not sure of the answer for this one. So there's a good chance I may, I may lose it or okay. miss it rather. I don't think the below freezing temperature one, D, I don't really think that's relevant. Okay. Um, A, more loss per foot. I, I don't really, I really don't know that. It cannot be used for VHF or UHF antennas. I don't believe that's the case. So I think it's going to be either C or A. It requires special techniques to prevent water absorption. More loss per foot. I'm going to lean towards C only because it says it's air core and water absorption. Because that seems like that could be a problem. Okay. Uh, more loss per foot. I don't really know what the loss per foot would be. I'm I'm just going to totally guess at this one and say that it's C, just because it seems to make sense to me. But well, I don't know the answer. That was a perfect opportunity for you to miss one. Did I not miss it? No. Okay, you didn't then miss I'll it. go with A. <laughs> well, too late now. You <laughs> already hit the button. Uh, I, this one I really don't know. All right. Well, of course, when we're looking at coax. You know, this stuff is solid dielectric here. Uh, when we're talking about air dielectric cables, we're talking more about uh, Heliax or, or type of cable like that. You know, um, a lot of Heliax will have like a foam dielectric inside of it. There is some. Mine does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, most of would use in ham applications do have a solid dielectric in it. But there are some that have... Uh, air dielectric, and there'll just be some some type of uh, plastic or Teflon insulators to kind of hold the center conductor in place. Oh. 
but you know it'll be hollow on the inside okay. of that. Well, see, I've never seen that. Well, now, twenty-five years as a ham, I've never seen it, seen that. And I, I pictured the stuff at the radio station where you've got nitrogen pressure keeping it pressurized, mm -hmm. and I, I don't really have any idea if that's the case. So, well, that all that all plays into it. So, if it's an air dielectric like that then you know moisture could build up in there and i wouldn't have used this term special techniques required to prevent water absorption uh, but yeah that's that's the closest to right because you know condensation can get in that since it's, it's not mm -hmm. solid and if that happens then you got moisture in your cable and water mm -hmm. so um that's not good you know the cable can can burn out then or uh, have excessive loss and such so typically on an air dielectric cable you're going to have to put some type of dry air or nitrogen into it keep it pressurized so um, that you keep the moisture out also if there's pressure on the cable water can't seep into it because there's you know pressure keeping it out um, so that sounds like a lot more trouble it sounds like a heck of a lot of trouble. So why would you even go with an air dielectric cable? I don't know. Maybe it has less loss. Aha. Uh -huh. There you go. Less well, loss. Seems that would be the only reason that I could think of why you would going to go through all that pain. Yep. Less loss. So um, that that's why it's uh, real popular in uh, broadcast op, uh, applications, uh, particularly on higher frequency stuff. A um, lot less loss in air dielectric cables, and if you're running a lot of power, you know um, that that adds up to power handling uh, capacity of you know larger coax and, and loss and all kind of figures into it. So just about all FM broadcast stations are going to be using air dielectric. Uh, yeah, but that know, line is units. literally hard line. It looks like copper pipe. Some of it is, but yes, although but there is heliax too now, there's Mine, as a matter of fact, the ones I have now use a three-inch heliax mm -hmm. going up to the antennas. Uh, but they do have some sections of uh, three and an eighth inch that just looks like copper pipe. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's just what I recall seeing at the transmitter sites out there. Well, the old one used to, the, the, the two older ones that I had, that's what, what they had. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't hallucinating. Not at all this time good figure okay why don't you ask me one okay i will since you put it that way why should coax connectors exposed to the weather be sealed against water intrusion a to prevent an increase in feed line loss b to prevent interference to telephone c to keep the jacket from becoming loose or d all of these choices are correct why should coax connectors exposed to the weather be sealed against water intrusion? Well, I think we kind of covered this. Um, we did. It's we're not pretty, all of those. We're pretty bad about that. Yep. Discussing a lot of things and kind of covering the answers to the upcoming ones. Well, that's that because we're be trying one. to group them all together of like-type questions. Um, it might be why we have a lack of buzzerage. Could be. Uh, C, to keep the jacket from becoming loose. No, nah, sealing against water. It's not nothing to do with the jacket becoming loose. 
to prevent interference to telephones. While we don't want to create interference to telephones, that's, that's not and, be and the if you've got of... water in your coax, yeah, maybe it might interfere with telephone, maybe not. But that, that's not the reason. It's to prevent an increase in feed line loss like we just discussed. So everybody got that in the chat room, too. So um, there you go. Prevent an increase in feed line loss. Which of the following is the most common cause for failure of coaxial cables? A, moisture contamination. B, gamma rays. C, the velocity factor exceeds 1.0. Or D, overloading. And I don't think it's overloading because I, I've just never seen anybody burn their coax cable up with too much power. But you can. That, that can be done. I, I I'm have. Sure, I'm sure it can. I have seen it, but. On the ham gear? No, but it could happen. Uh, I haven't seen it on ham gear, but it's not, I'm, it's common, not common. It's not common. Velocity factor exceeds 1.0. That's not going to cause your cable to fail. Gamma rays, they can't be good on it, but I don't think that's going to be it either. It's going to be A, moisture contamination. Moisture in your antenna stuff is just not good at all. Yep. You would think you should keep your antennas indoors by looking at I know you all think this tonight. it's pretty bad having them outside in the rain. Yep. But I think you're right. Moisture contamination. Everybody else thinks you're right too. So no buzzer for you, my friend. Bummer. That's all of them we got for tonight. Is that it? I think that's it. Well, we appreciate all y'all being with us here tonight. It's been another fun show. Yep. And we'll do this again about the same time next month. We'll have an amateur logic for you coming up in a couple of weeks. About two weeks. So uh, join us then for that as well. Yep. 7-3. Yep, 7-3, everybody. Thanks. See you next time. You got your fingers crossed? Always. All right. Well, I'm going to hit too. the button, and we'll see what happens. It, it didn't really happen, did it? It's not what I was expecting it. to happen. It's not, a, not at all. It's not what I expected either. I'm going to go with you, Tommy. I'm going to say it's horizontal. Okay. And, uh, well, let's see. So we're not going to test it out? It's, it's a question. It, does have, it has no answer. It is C, although the yellow on the screen there doesn't indicate Wow. So. The answer <laughs> is the question. <laughs> We've never had that happen before. <laughs>